Welcome to Level with Emily Reese. This is music by Vince Diamante for Sky, Children of the Light, from That Game Company. You might remember That Game Company from games like Flow, or Journey, or Flower. And in fact, Vince did the music for Flower. Uh, That game came out in 2009, and it's still one of my favorite soundtracks of all time. It's such a great video game soundtrack. But Vince has done the music for Sky, which is in four volumes. There's a ton of music for Sky. It's been out since 2019, and there are many seasons. They constantly have new content coming out, so that explains why there's four volumes of music from Vince. Now, in the game itself, it's very exploratory. You're out exploring, you'll encounter other players that you can interact with in positive ways. So if you ever played Journey, it's much like that, only on a much grander scale. So in Journey, you would kind of just be going through the story and you would come across these other players and they could help you or not, but they really couldn't do much else. And it just ends up being such a positive experience as you encounter these people from who knows where and uh, who they are, what they're doing. It's it's really an interesting way to be social in a game, you know. Uh, and I, I loved it. It's really wonderful. So uh, Sky's music is almost exclusively orchestral sounding with, you know, strings and winds and piano. And it's very beautiful and lush and uplifting, which, again, kind of mirrors the experience of the gameplay itself. It's a beautiful game to visually. It's very colorful and bright and, uh, you know, just aesthetically pleasing. So, Animal Lovers, heads up about the YouTube video because Vince has a dog cam for his 14-year-old long-haired dachshund named Copper. So we get to briefly meet Copper, which is fabulous. Uh, And do check out our other YouTube videos as well. Visit us on Discord. You'll find a link in the show notes. And if you're able to support us financially on Patreon, that'd be fantastic. You can find us at patreon.com slash level. So, as I mentioned, uh, Sky came out in 2019, but it was in development long before it actually released. So that led to my first question. Sky was released in 2019, but and with content coming out, new co- a lot of new content. So you've had yeah. four volumes of music released. I'm sure you've written more music than that, but <laughs> but lots lots of music, lots of content came out officially in 2019 and has been you know made its way to consoles and such, which is fantastic. PC, all the things. Um, but when did you start writing music for it? Was it 10 years ago? Well, we were still trying to figure out if Sky was what we were going to be making back in 2012. <laughs> sure. Um, so I had actually come from a very different project before that. Uh, I was working on this fighting game, Skullgirls, and I was the audio director there, which was really cool, doing music and sound design and you know voice direction, you know all that sort of stuff. It was really fun. And I really liked being able to do the hands-on thing with a lot of stuff. Uh, and... Going back to that game company was a really cool situation, starting from the very beginning, trying to figure out what the heck are we making? Uh, Let's start from the very beginning. What is our audio engine? What is our system for actually implementing sound in game? And Mm -hmm. uh, really early prototypes of sound design, really um, 
you know, throwing things at the wall and seeing what seems to stick, not just at the wall, but really with each other. It's, I'm just imagining people just sort of throwing things in a vacuum and seeing if anything happens to collide and, and what that actually, um, <laughs> what eventually comes out of that. Mm-hmm. So we knew that there were certain things that we wanted, like social, uh, you know, being able to have meaningful relationships, um, you know, talking with guys like Genova and and John and and all those people at that game company, they really wanted to approach all of these possibilities from all sorts of angles. So there was a lot of ideation when it came to not just themes, but also what is the type of music that we're doing? What is the type of ensemble? Uh, how interactive are things going to be? And quite honestly, we spent about three or four years um, just sort of playing around with all these ideas until eventually Sky came out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm thinking about that main theme for Sky really got solidified right around the end of 2015. Um, oh, wow. And there, there's, okay. a, there's actually a track called Overture, which yeah. is, um, that actually came about right, I think it was fall 2015 when we wrote it. It wasn't really specifically for the game because we were still trying to figure out the game, but we did have certain mechanics. We did have a certain space. And I was working with uh, one of the lead artists, Yui, in trying to create this right space, right time, right flavor for this world that we were trying to establish really quickly. What, what was this? What was the tone? What was the theme and connection with the character as well as how the character moves through space? And yeah, I started working in 2012. That (sighs) overture is one of the oldest, oldest pieces of music in the soundtrack that stays in the game. And yeah, it's from 2015. Wow. Yeah. So it's been quite a haul. And as we said, there's new content coming out often, some of which we won't be able to discuss in this conversation, but hopefully in future conversations that we'll have. Um, But uh, the first volume, a a lot of that from the base game, right? Because again, Mm -hmm. so much has been added since. But talk to me a little bit about how the music has evolved over the years then. Mm, Yeah. Like, Volume 1 was that base game, and uh, let's see. I'm so anxious about how I describe things, and <laughs> uh, but let's see. From an abstract point of view, I'm just imagining how when we started the game, and or, or rather, that very first version of the game that went out for public dissemination, there was a, a solid, singular storyline that one could play through. And you see these stories, you see these vignettes into the elders of the world, and you can experience all of that, and that's great. And then there's all this multiplayer stuff, social stuff, and that's a part of the game as well. 
Now, over the course of the last three years or so, all of that social stuff and extra stuff is really where the game lies. So that that single-player journey that you have through the game is still there, but there's so much of this other stuff now. And the structure and the relationship between the music and the game now has changed a lot. Yeah. So, it, so things like how interactive does the music need to be in these social spaces? And it's not just a matter of very interactive versus less interactive because the social spaces are are really quite nuanced. And it might be things like, oh, if I'm in this room, there's um, an intuition that has to be embedded in the, in the system design for how players are going to use this space and how the music and environmental sound needs to be there versus other places in the world. And, oh, if they're on stage, this is a stage area here, and they're going to want to listen to what the players are doing here. But if they move backstage, they're going to have this own music that is the the sound and the feeling of the world that is beyond the performance stage and and things like that. So, yeah. Um, yeah, in some ways, after we figured out what the game was to be and we released it in 2019, the question of the game just keeps on getting harder and harder and harder. <laughs> and it and in some ways, it becomes actually even more fun because it's really exciting trying to write new music for what is almost like a new game now. The, yeah. the game that we did, that we've been doing over this last year, which is really the last four or five seasons worth of material, is so cool and so different from the surface level of, oh, I'm underwater now, and there are all these creatures that you can see there, and then there's the deeper mechanics of that and your relationship with creatures and the world, and it's... <laughs> yeah, the... <laughs> The development has not stopped. It really hasn't. <laughs> yeah, and I have uh, you know so many questions about very specific uh, musical things, and and we'll we'll get to that. But you know, are you still doing all of the other things in addition to composing? Are you still audio directing and and doing all of that as well? Um, not really. So, um, in terms of audio director. Uh, we were talking in 2019, 2020, and we decided, well, do we really need an audio director? Maybe not. Maybe I was a little early, honestly, in deciding that. But at the very <laughs> least, we do have a nice team around. So back in oh, 2012, 2014, um, I was kind of the lone music composer, sound designer, and even programmer, you know, did a little bit of like audio tools programming and, okay. and all that. Uh, but now we have a dedicated audio programmer. We have two dedicated sound designers. Okay. Uh, so it's it's really great just yeah. having <laughs> having that team there. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, the the music is very present. As I, you know, and of course, I've only gotten to experience the early, you know, single player. Well, I mean, I did make some friends and do some high fives and stuff, which was great. But but you know, I, I've I really did just experience the bass the base part of the game and, and um, uh, the music is so present, but there is, you know, you're hearing yourself walk and slide through the sand and the grass and all of that too. So, uh, you yeah. know, it all has to play nice, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. And it, it's so fun. Like, honestly, there, yeah. were, there would be whole days where I'm not touching music. It's more like, oh, oh, what is the sound of sliding through grass or sliding through sand or 
the feeling of gliding versus boosting through the air. And it's just mm-hmm. such it's such a fun and nuanced and very difficult sound design uh, challenge there in terms of creating the right assets as well as coordinating with all the other systems that mm-hmm. designers and programmers are making for for flying, for example. Can I only rely on wind speed? Or yeah. can I only rely on relative wind speed? And is there a way to intuit intent from how the player is touching the screen, if even if it's not necessarily making a direct impact on how the avatar actually moves? <laughs> so, you know, things like, oh, if I touch the screen and it's not really making an immediate impact on their direction, maybe I should still actually have a slight change in sound in order to make it feel like they're sort of fighting against the wind and you know, yeah. things like that. It's So there were a lot of days where it was really fun just taking off my music composer hat, putting on my technical sound designer hat, and just going to town. You know, as we mentioned, four volumes out at the in in this moment, um, and again, volume one really covers that the base the base game, but um, and just so so much just lush string writing and a lot of woodwinds. I didn't hear a ton of brass, a lot of horn, which of course is a brass instrument, but also is one of those <laughs> weird in you know in betweeners that works really well with winds as well and um, or woodwinds. Right. And and so I I just would love to hear you talk about the the palette in those early days. Yeah, I definitely wanted to use winds better. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, so um, I don't really consider myself much of a wind instrumentalist. I certainly didn't back in the 2000s, although I loved the sound of um, not just the typical orchestral winds, but things like, you know, bass and alto flutes. And, yeah. you know, just uh, there's so many uh, possibilities there. Um, and I knew for this one, I wanted to do more with winds. Uh, so one of the things that I did was I bought a bunch of wind instruments. So I bought a clarinet. Oh, I wow. Bought, uh, I bought a soprano and an alto sax. And I was like, I'm going to teach myself how to play these things and at least get my, you know, get my fingers around a bone fingering and, and whatnot. Hmm. Um, but in addition to that, I also got an electric wind instrument. Oh, and, an iwi. And I just, yeah, an iwi. <laughs> I got yeah, an iwi. Nice. And the thing is, I don't just have an iwi. I have like seven iwis now. You do? Oh my god! Are they there? I mean, I have one oh, iwi here's one. here. Oh, neat! I've got one iwi here. I got. Let's see. There's another iwi. <laughs> these are these are more my electronic iwis. So these are great for MIDI tracking. Okay. Uh, like this is an iwi 3000 from the 90s, oh. and this plus. And directly into one of my analog synths that I I have because you know sometimes you want that analog sound versus the the sampled sound yeah um, but I have <laughs> so all cool. of these iwis and uh, 
you know, I, I actually grew up as a pianist. Right. Uh, I was a I was a pianist, and I, I went to college actually for classical piano. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do this other thing. And I figure if I can get my fingers around the instrument, that will help me when it comes to understanding how to uh, not just perform wind instrumental parts, but also write for them. Yeah. And that's what I ended up doing. I, I just. Uh, I didn't take that much to clarinet, quite honestly. Um, I liked, <laughs> I liked alto sax, but uh, it's. I, I mean, I, I can I can play a simple line if I need to, mm-hmm. but I really loved the iwi. Okay, <laughs> and, and that was that was what sort of drove me a lot in those early years. I got my first iwi in 2012, and I just said, I am going to track as much MIDI as I can huh. with these wind instruments. So I got mm. some soft synths that were very compatible with Ewe's, like uh, the Wallander Winds and some other, um, uh, let's see. Yeah, Wallander Winds were a couple of different contact libraries that were pretty good for wind uh, for Ewe's as well. Okay. And I just said, I'm going to try to make these sound as good as I can. Wow. And uh, I ended up just loving it. And that really influenced the the sound that I had, just sort of going from a beginner to an intermediate-ish sort of mm-hmm. wind player trying to do different things with with wind instruments along with you know what I've learned over the years when it comes to general writing yeah so so then did you have uh, you know for lack of a better term professional musicians record that then in studio or tell me more about that a little bit um so you definitely hear Kristen on the soundtrack. So Kristen, Kristen Nagus. Nagus. Yep. And uh, and she's great, but she's actually only in a only in a few tracks where okay. uh, I I know that we need some virtuosity here. Uh and she's just a wonderful wonderful player of English horn and oboe. And oh, yeah. there were definitely some places that I just needed her on there. Mm-hmm. Uh she plays uh flutes in a couple of of, of places as well. Um okay. But uh, I, a lot of the tracks are actually me on my iwi just Amazing. driving samples. Wow! And I, uh, you know, it's it's a combination of you know being half decent at iwi. I, I'm yeah. certainly no. <laughs> I mean, I'm certainly not a professional iwi player. You're not you know? Joe Lovano um, over there. I, <laughs> no. Yeah. It's it, you know that that's. It's okay, um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but I, I like I work the EWE as well as work on my contact synth yeah. programming as well in cool. order to get just the right sound and like alter some of these uh, sample libraries and and contact scripts yeah. in order to do what I want in terms of changing the tone and wow. really letting the tone move. I mean, you fool! I never would have known that. I. It sounds so amazing. It just it sounds amazing. Not that it shouldn't, right? But I mean, I just mean I just assumed they were all live. Like that's that that just sounds sounds great. There's there's definitely a good amount of live stuff, but yeah. there's also a lot of things that are just purely synth. And mm-hmm. I remember before things were released, I I was worried. I was so scared. Like um, on the first volume, there's actually a track called Painting. And it's okay. like one of the very first tracks. Yeah. And it's it's synth strings, it's synth flute. <laughs> and and I and I like to think that oh okay, it's a pretty good job. But I know it's not real. 
And then people come up to me and say, oh, that actually sounds really good. I had no idea that you can get samples to sound like that. Like, yeah. I mean, I've been trying. I really, <laughs> I really wanted to make this, oh, uh, so to record this the way I could. That's so fantastic. So then does that extend to the horn, the French horn? Because there are a couple of really phenomenal horn spots. There, there are. Um, there's definitely some, yeah, there's definitely some real horns in some places. Yeah, okay. Um, like, uh, uh, let's see, like some of the big fast action cues, like, you know, somersault. Oh, I love uh, is, that It's cue. real. It's, it's, okay. that's, so that's like almost... Let's see. Actually, now wait. Now that I think about it, I think somersault is actually synth horns. Um, <laughs> somersault is synth horns. Amazing. Diving in. Okay. Is also synth horns, which is kind of funny. Okay. Uh, but you know, but we still have the the you know the strings and the winds from Macedonia as well yep. as Kristen on there. There's a lot of places where the the horns, as well as some other low brass, are like really prominent. Okay. Uh, I'm just I'm just actually looking through the, the list of cues. It's no, like, I love oh, yeah. that. Yeah, like two heroes. Actually, two heroes is all synth. Wow. Um, for those who come before upward dance story thus far, that's actually all synth. Um, <laughs> cool. Which is yeah. <laughs> I mean that a, that's a different skill in its own right is to make it sound so real. I mean that's that's really really beautiful thing yeah i mean I, I i try but also like i look back on it and i'm like i'm, I'm a little sheepish about that oh uh, gosh yeah i i hope that i've done nothing to make you feel that way i think it's amazing how about deeds unseen because that has a beautiful cello uh, situation in the in the front and then it has this very long extended horn solo that goes really high a couple different times. And, and that, I was just almost incredulous when I heard it because I was like, no one writes a solo like this for horn. And I just, I yeah. loved that. <laughs> Thank you. 
that is also yeah that, that is also beyond synth i um, love it it's i mean i can go like kind of like tech shop sort of thing it's like a combination of sample modeling and wallander oh, uh, which wow. is maybe only somewhat useful because sample modeling is a live company that still makes their soft synths uh, okay. mostly contact instruments but Wallander doesn't make stuff anymore. Oh wow. <laughs> which is which is too bad. Like they made all of their instruments back in the late 2000s and they huh. were still supporting it all the way into the 2010s, but they're not known for those um for those softsense anymore. They're more into okay. the notation software market. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I literally was like, wow, they're just shelling out all this money for all this live orchestra stuff. <laughs> Oh, it just sounds so good, Vince. I love it. Yeah, it really does. Um, and I loved that track, Deeds Unseen. I, um, I, uh, t I mean, t talk to me about the choice to to write that line on horn then. Because again, that's just not something you hear very often. You know, you'll hear an English horn solo in a thousand soundtracks before you hear a long extended French horn solo, you know? Mm -hmm. I like playing around with this sort of very... I don't want to make it sound like I'm, it's too smart. It's actually, honestly, like a very simple idea, which is uh, what are some simple ways that I'm going to represent the struggles of different entities in the game mm. uh, and you know make that manifest in my ensemble? Um, I mean, we kind of did a little bit of that in Flower when it was things like, you know, what does it mean for um, some of these less used instruments like a bass flute to do uh, something or like a tuba. And, and there's often an irony there because you put them out of their general usage and it actually ends up not, not just sounding tuneful, but actually elegant and beautiful and natural in, mm -hmm. in that way. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, and it makes sense when you look at things like a tuba, for example, a tuba is just a horn basically. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's great. Um, so it can totally do those lyric lines if you let it do it. Um, similarly, like with this, with uh, something like French horn, um, it's not that I wanted to just give an explicit challenge to my virtual French horn player, but I wanted to give some sort of sense of uncertainty and struggle and yet having it be an almost certain and foregone conclusion that things will be good at the end of it. Mm. Um, you know, and this comes, so like Deeds Unseen comes in that whole season where in the game, the player actually comes into this new world of sky, which is actually only set up in the sky. There's no fixed ground that they can okay. rely on. Instead, there are these sort of like little islands that you can hop between and you're sort of flying through and there's, at first, this certainty about this skyway that you're opening up, but then that goes, then that certainty just gets thrown out the window because, mm. oh, there's this dark presence. There are these different places of dark energy where you can actually see that it's corroding the world around it. So you want to fly around between it. And it's, more of a struggle again after you were initially brought up thinking, yeah, this Skyway is going to make flying so awesome now. <laughs> um, 
So just sort of thinking about what are some different ways that I can represent that struggle while still also making it beautiful and natural. And I, I want players to not just be totally trampled underfoot by what's going on in the game, either by me as a sound designer or by me as a music composer there. Another one I really liked and that certainly highlights a, a difference in musical style from the first volume is uh, Dragon Dance from volume four. And I, I thought that track was really cool. There's some really cool flute stuff in there. Um, so I'd love to hear you talk about that one. Oh, that one, that one's really fun. Uh, this was, <laughs> let's see. Um, so Dragon Dance was part of um, the Days of Fortune uh, okay. Last year, well, uh, like almost a year ago, mm -hmm. uh, which sort of corresponds to our general winter holiday season. Okay. Um, and there's literally this dragon that comes into this space and just sort of showers people with this sense of, wow, there, there's good fortune. Oh, this is cool. You could actually like fly with the dragon. You can sit on top of it if you catch it. And it's like, oh, yeah, watch it fly around. And it's really cool. I just wanted to give something that was fun and celebratory and had a certain, um, what is the right word? Uh, it had like a um, uh, repetition. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, there is like this very uh, uh, well, easily understood structure uh, behind it. Yeah. Um, you can... You can play with it. That, that was actually a big factor uh, oh, for cool. this thing. Um, in the game, you actually have these instruments that you could break out. Some of them are melodic. Some of them are percussive. And, and some of them are lyrical, like wind instruments. And uh, there's sort of a limitation to that system where uh, you can only play notes in a single diatonic scale. Okay. Uh, and so I think I actually started out with that limitation just... Uh, floating in my brain, oh, darn it, I can't change keys. I, I don't want to change keys because I really want players to not just be excited when this dragon comes in, but also play along with it, with the rhythms that it's doing, adding on to the rhythms with their own flourishes oh, cool. and you know, having this consistency that goes with it so that lots of people can just be in this space and contribute their own percussive and melodic elements there. And even if they're not wielding an instrument if all they want to do is sing and shout along <laughs> uh, their their shouts will actually be keyed to the melody oh, that is nice. playing you know you know when the flutes do their thump 
bum, 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 yep. bum, bum, bum. Yeah, so that it will actually do that. So like that was sort of the main thing, like uh, getting people together with this sound, and, and that's fun. This this was definitely one of those things where um, I'm given the musical prompt, and I'm like, okay, I have to wear both my music composer hat and my technical sound hat as well, and, and make this happen. has a little bit more of a mischievous sound to it but so much of the early music is like you know I had mentioned it's just very uplifting and beautiful and lush and you know lots of seventh chords and kind of parallel motion like kind of reminding me of like the French composers in the early 20th century like just the tight but consonant even in, in mm-hmm. even dis- consonant dissonance kind of you know um and i i just i really loved that feel um and it it really made me think i interviewed a composer a few weeks ago now named ed critchley and ed uh was talking about how he charges double what he has to write happy music <laughs> <laughs> he was joking about how hard it is to write happy music. And and I'm curious if you, because Flower was a lot like that too, just very lush and beautiful and um, consonant and all those things. And I'm, I'm curious if, if you do find that a challenge or, or what aspects of the music for Sky do you, did you struggle with more than maybe others? Oh man, I like writing happy music. Uh, like if <laughs> if anything, I feel like I always have to challenge myself to do something that is beyond that. Okay. So like, you know, we I spent a lot of time actually in those first few years just trying to figure out what is this, what are the themes uh, or main motifs in mm-hmm. this game going to be. Um, and I want them to be uplifting and you can kind of see it in just sort of like the general shape of them, but yes. I don't use those motifs all over the place. And, you know, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, you know, you mentioned flower and I think, yeah, there is a, there is a main theme to flower, but I do my utmost to hide it everywhere. Um, <laughs> just because I feel like uh, I don't want it to just be like a front everywhere. Um, yeah. This one is not quite as hidden. You definitely hear it in places. I mean, there's mm-hmm. an explicit overture track. And also as you're uh, playing through with, you know, some of the themes while you're flying or when you come to those cutscenes where you come across the elders mm-hmm. and there are those it's right there. You got those explicit motifs, the the sky, the sky child theme, as well as the elder theme that are just right there in a very plain fashion. But I always feel like I don't want to do that too much because, <laughs> um, you know, the, if it if it's good enough, I think the players will be happy just from thinking about it and remembering it. Mm-hmm. 
And I have all this other space to do things that can supplement it. So I, yeah. I'd never want to just keep on going or or hammer them over the head <laughs> with these uplifting themes. But I love uplifting themes. And mm-hmm. I, you know, it was I spent literally like months and years just iterating and iterating on those themes until it feels just right. And it yeah. also kind of but yeah, it does feel kind of weird sometimes to think. Yeah, I've got this thing. I'm not going to use it everywhere. I really don't want to use it everywhere. And that's, I think that kind of points to how confident I am in that it can actually um, stand up for itself when it's given its time. Yeah, and I love that you mentioned the shape, too, because uh, I'm not entirely sure which theme it is, but it's the ascending seconds where it's like, da-da-da-da-da-da, or however yeah. that, that line goes, and it just climbs and climbs, and um, uh, I, I love that. <laughs> yeah, it's like, I, I kind of wanted just something that was, if I could, I could keep it going. Just keep on going even a little bit more, once yeah. more, twice more. But it, it doesn't. It does eventually have to resolve down with that second. <laughs> yeah. And then you're just waiting. Yeah. Is there going to be some more energy after that? Yeah. 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 Really, really cool. Uh, there's some acoustic guitar that pops in as well from time to time. And, of course, piano, which uh, which I remembered was your main instrument. So I, I loved hearing that too. But But, again, it's just... Every once in a while, just a little bit of piano comes in, or um, uh, and and same with the guitar. So I'd love to hear you talk more about using those two throughout the music. Oh, let's see. Uh, guitar is also one of those things where I wanted to challenge myself to try to play these things a little bit better. Oh, cool! Um, because I'm a bad guitarist. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm a really, really bad guitarist. Yeah, uh, me too, man. <laughs> But, I mean, my my training is all thanks to what Rocksmith over the last ten years or so, um, and um, let's see. Actually, there's I want to say that there were a couple tracks early on where I asked uh, Tom Straley, who's a guitarist friend that I've worked with before, uh, but it ended up that the tracks we were working on um, together they didn't make it into the game, which was a little disappointing. Okay. But um, just uh, so much time spent just uh, learning from that and what it meant to write for a guitarist as well as what it was that I wanted to do uh, when it came to these things. So I think all the guitar in the Sky soundtrack is all synth guitar, just me <sighs> trying to either um, do different things. There, there are a couple places where I do some like very simple plucked guitar. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot of places where I am just... Um, using guitar sense oh, and cool. uh it i mean i like to think that it works out pretty yeah. well uh sounds great to <laughs> me again, i mean again i feel a little sheepish just knowing that uh, i i you know i worked with tom and i remember the first time that i asked him for some help on this game was actually 2013 okay and and we 
and uh, he would help out a little bit with some with some tracks that we would record. And unfortunately, none of those tracks actually made it into the game. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that stuff happens, you know. But what made it into the game, it sounds sounds fantastic. And I, I really like when that texture pops in. It's really, really nice. I'm trying to think like you mentioned deeds unseen yeah and then I, so I'm just thinking about like some of the tracks before that like gentle flight where where the guitar is oh. like really prominent yeah I'm thinking uh, that's again I'm listening to that I'm thinking oh darn it that's not a real guitar and, and, it, <laughs> and it's funny because uh, it's actually ostensibly three guitarists playing oh cool you know? okay you know but it's just literally me you know tracking these three separate yeah. Uh, guitar lines and um, doing and the and the track itself is set up in an interactive fashion, and you don't really get this on the soundtrack, right? But uh, but these guitars actually coming in and out uh, correlates to the player's position where they're standing on the ground on some of these floating islands, or if okay. they're fl- or if they're just floating through the air, or if they're flying at really breakneck speed, and then it will it will it will layer these guitars in different ways. And using that, uh, trying to get something that is ostensibly a simple interactive heuristic for that, but also writing it so that feels like when the guitar comes in, it feels like the player's responding to what the other guitars have done before. You know, you've mentioned a lot of ways in which the music is directly tied to play, you know, in terms of like the dragon or this with the guitars. Um, what are some other opportunities in the game that exist like that musically? Ooh, let's see. There's definitely places earlier on in the game. I'm thinking about the, um, you know, sort of that initial uh not social version of the of the single player story that you can experience. So there okay. there are places where um, you know Somersault, for example, Somersault actually has um, you know it's a it's a sort of a tight action cue and mm-hmm. something that doesn't happen in the soundtrack because I have no idea how to effectively do this is uh, it actually has ten different endings. Oh, cool. Uh, so depending on what you do in the game in order to get to the very end of the sequence where you just sort of finish this high-speed run and then you're confronted with this open space where you see this this big patch of ice and you can and it sort of invites you to go on the ice as well as dig underneath it and look around the edges of this space. Cool. Uh, the music stops. 
but it stops in 10 unique ways depending on <laughs> where you are in the music at any given time. Okay. And it's <laughs> it's one that that's just one of those things where I'm like I'm putting so much work into this little thing. <laughs> How do I convey this in the soundtrack? And ultimately, I can't. It's just not going to work out that way. <laughs> yeah. Um, that was one of my favorite, before you go on, that was one of my favorite tracks, Somersault. I love it. Love the twisty turny, which, right, I mean, really, really lovely. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah. yeah it, it's such a fun track. Yeah, it's so twisty turning, and but then also like that. It's kind of nice because it enables you to do all sorts of fun twists and spin spinning out of it in order to come to this nice little coda that feels light and refreshing. Yeah. Um, so that that that's really cool. I really appreciated the opportunity to write that cue as well as all this interactive stuff that yeah. <laughs> unfortunately is not on the album. You have to play the game. There are other places where the music is totally continuous and the interaction just keeps on going and going and going. So uh, on the first soundtrack, that all that stuff with um, starting from the vault yeah. and going to an upwards dance is actually a single cue in the game. Oh, and, okay. Because in the and, soundtrack, that's... One, two, three, four, five tracks. Yeah. Okay. Go yeah. On. So yeah. all five of those tracks actually wow. do like they do the layered thing, as well as doing the unique outros and and uh, transitions into the following. Okay. Um. So it just keeps on going in the game. It's if you speed run through it, it's <laughs> yeah. still about. 12 13 minutes of just solid music wow. go with each of those tracks actually alighting into each other in a very smooth way. Mm -hmm. But if again, if you speed run it, you don't actually get to appreciate all the different layers that come in yeah. uh, with those tracks. So yeah. if you really want to appreciate everything, it becomes this sort of 20 25 minute thing. Um and hopefully the the way that the game presents itself, it it feels actually rather not just enjoyable, but actually meditative to go through this process of finding all the nooks and crannies on the edges of this space before you can converge back in the center. And then uh, you rise up to the next layer in this tower, and then the music actually changes at that point.
what you just said. I can't, I can't remember if you said meditative or, or how, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's, that's how I've felt about a lot of the gameplay from just, just from that game company. I mean, even going back to flow, I mean, these are, you know, it's like a relaxing experience, right? It's a relaxing and enjoyable experience. And especially when you think about journey or sky and you bring in this, um, the kind of the innocence of these stranger encounters where you're meeting people in this social way and it's never anything negative in any way. I mean, it's just this, Yeah, it's this relaxing, uh, meaningful uh, experience, you know, and, and clearly the music uh, contributes to that <laughs> greatly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just... Yeah, meditative is definitely important, sort of, mm -hmm. yeah, meaningful, um, and especially in a quiet way, yeah. where it it feels <clears throat> impactful, but it doesn't hit you over the head with it. Right. It's It does things in a very plain and obvious and straightforward way, not a lot of pomp and circumstance, kind of like how the social links work in this game where mm -hmm. oh what's going on oh here's a person i haven't met before but we're gonna hold hands oh okay we're gonna hold hands great yeah. um we're going to high five each other we're going to actually light each other's candle and it's like figuring that out and establishing that uh, was really cool and presenting music that could not necessarily be these explicit cues that go with every action. That's not the way the game works, yeah. but could um, could complement the tone of everything that's going on when it comes to all these social verbs was really important. Yeah. When I had my first stranger encounter, <laughs> um, it's like I knew that was coming, but I still didn't know that was what was happening, if that makes sense. Like I knew I was interacting with another avatar, but I, I still wasn't like quite sure that that wasn't just an NPC right. as part of the, you know what I mean? And, yeah. and I thought that was part of the kind of joy of it was experiencing this uncertainty with like, oh, oh, this is a real person. Oh, cool. You know, and then you're like, oh, I wonder where they are and what they're doing right now. And how old are they? Are they 12 or are they 52? And, you know, I just I just <laughs> love just kind of wondering what's going on. And, yeah. uh, you know, and they'll just kind of come and go. And you're like, oh, they might have had to set their phone down or walk away from the Xbox or whatever they're playing it on. And, um, mm -hmm. and, and that's the other thing that, like, I've only played it on my phone. And I, I cannot wait to have it on my PlayStation uh, so that I, cause then I'll just have like my whole stereo and like the whole thing. And, um, it's just, it's, I think people need to experience this game. <laughs> it's a really special thing. I'm glad. I mean, it's, it, it's really fun. Uh, it is a little weird actually. You know, the game was released on phones, but actually for a lot of us on the team, just for the the convenience of day to day work, we're playing it on rather big monitors, you know, twenty twenty four inch, twenty eight yeah. inch monitors, and it, it wasn't until the game went back to well, you know, we we released the game for Switch, and then we were able to see it again in uh, on a, that big screen context. 
in our living rooms. And I was like, yeah. oh yeah, that's right. Now I remember this game as well, which is slightly different from the game that we developed for phones. Yeah, yeah. it's the exact same thing, but the, the feeling of it and just that extra mm -hmm. bit of immersion um, connected with the with these really simple uh, verbs that we string together for the player to make their way and, and sort of muddle their way through the world. So have you pretty much just been composing from home throughout a, a lot of this? Yeah. Yeah. Was that because of COVID or because that's just how you've been working for that game company these all these years? Um, let's see. I mean, at the very beginning, actually, for most of the time working on this game, I actually moved all my equipment over to that game company in Santa Monica. Okay. And we just set up an office space. I had my MIDI keyboard. I had some speakers. I had um, um, I had a door so that I wasn't blasting off, uh, blasting out really crappy music into the rest of the office space because, you know, it's one of those open, open floor plans. Okay. Um, but um, actually, I guess it was around 20, uh, 2018, 2019, uh, yeah. right before we did the global launch. I said, uh, it would be really nice. I had actually just bought a home uh, here in, in Southern California. And I thought, I really want to make a home studio happen. Yeah. And um, I just asked, would it be cool if I did more work from home? And I started moving some stuff in here. And I was able to put a little bit more equipment, some nicer speakers, some outboard gear and all that. Uh, so... Actually, even before pandemic, I was kind of ready for what happened nice. since I spent the previous year just really finishing up my home studio. Oh, nice. That's fantastic. It's pretty cool. Um, I mean, this space is pretty nice. I've got the door open, but if I need to, I can close it. And uh, yeah. uh, the only way the dogs will let me know is if they just actually scratch at the door. I can't hear them barking. <laughs> so maybe that's a little dangerous, but... Um, no, these these dogs are good. They're, yeah, they're yeah. good guys. Yeah, they're good work partners. <laughs> they are. Yeah. Um, this guy is actually just on my lap right now. He's been oh. sleeping on my lap for the last forty minutes. <laughs> oh no way! Can I? Is would you'd probably have to wake him up to show us, right? That would oh, be well, terrible. Let's see. Hold on. It's okay. Okay. Hey, Copper, what's up? Say <laughs> hi. Oh, baby, look at you. Hey, Copper. <laughs> let's see. He knows if I do this, I can say, "You want to go to your bed." He'll just sit down over there, and uh, let me give you a taste of that. There he is. <laughs> oh, he's so cute. What did you say? He's a dachshund what? Yeah, he's a dachshund. His name is Copper. Oh, okay. So he's not a mix. He's just a dachshund. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Long-haired dachshund. Yeah, he is handsome. Handsome. Yeah. Oh, what a handsome sweetheart. Yeah, he's, he's, a, he's a very good boy, although, of you know, course. 14 years old, so oh, um, maybe not a boy so much, but yep, yep. very good boy. And how about your other dog? What's the story for that one? 
Uh, he is actually slightly older. He's a, a wow. little uh, Yorkie. Oh, cute. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're awesome. both uh, little dogs. <laughs> yeah. You know, little 10-pound dogs. They're very cute. Perfect. Gotta gotta have something to keep you warm on these cool mornings you have in Southern California, right? Yeah, that, that's true. <laughs> uh, oh, that's yeah. fabulous. So, uh, so as we said, there's more more new content coming um, for Sky. Is that can you can you say is that coming this year? Right? Oh yeah. I okay, mean, that's what Sky I thought. Sky content is pretty regular. Okay. Basically, there's. Um, Major drops of content basically happen every, what, three months or so. That's what it looked um, like from that schedule of seasons. They're snappy. Yeah. I mean, we always want to do something cool. Um, yeah. And sometimes it will be something that's really big and, and social. Sometimes it will be something that's very um, very micro, very mechanics-focused, mm -hmm. uh, where we do where we give the player a new tool in their arsenal. Um, but we really do want it to be a big and meaningful update when those things happen. And uh, along with that, <laughs> along with that, a good amount of music and sound. <laughs> Fantastic. I'm so pleased. Well, I can't wait to hear what's coming up next. Um, is there anything else you want to say about what's already happened with Sky? Well, um, let's see. The season of Aurora is actually starting and that that's the collaboration that we have with uh with the singer aurora um who is fantastic and awesome. uh we i mean we've already announced it at this point so we can talk about how uh, this whole season has actually been mostly about her music uh, which oh, means wow. that ostensibly i should be able to take a break except <laughs> it actually hasn't been the case but that's been kind of fun i've been doing some things where uh i take some of her music and some of her music is just really, really beautiful and try to find these places where I can do something to bring it into the sky soundtrack. Like mm. I'll take like a cello part from one of her songs and incorporate it into a, a cutscene, oh, wow. and then, and then enter sort of like interleave it with like part of the sky motifs in the game oh. and try to make that really natural. Oh, cool. um, so that's, so that's been a very different challenge, but also really yeah. fun. And um, so, yeah, that, that season of Aurora is happening right now. And it's going to be going on for the next month or so. So basically through December okay. uh, and uh, into January. And okay. there's some fun music there. Although, like I said, it's really focused more on Aurora uh, yeah. rather than my own original music. <laughs> oh, that's cool, though. It's it's. I would imagine refreshing, even if you didn't necessarily get the the break that you were hoping for. You still <laughs> still got to do something differently. You know, something different yeah. creatively. It, yeah, it really is cool. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, sometimes just working with. It's always fun to work with someone else's music. Sure. Uh, just giving me some perspective onto um, how these people work. Um, not like we ever work directly face-to-face -face in the studio or anything like that, but just seeing how the projects come out for all of these songs is really fantastic. Mm -hmm. So um, it's been really fun looking at Aurora's music and seeing how it not just contributes to Sky, but really is part of the sky world. Yeah, cool. 
Well, Vince, thank you so much for talking with me. It's been so great to listen to Sky. I where can can people buy the soundtrack? Do you know? Yeah, I, Amazon. It's um. Yeah, so it is available digitally right now. So the the usual places on Apple, Amazon, Mm -hmm. um, uh, Tidal. um, Oh, yeah. uh, But, you know, I mean, it's the modern era, so everyone is streaming these days. I know. uh, Spotify, Apple Music, and all that. And it's cool. Yeah. Um, And uh, we'll see how it goes from there. Uh, There's some other things that we're hoping to do in the future when it comes to the soundtrack and how it's experienced, but uh, cannot quite talk about it now. Well, it just gives us all the more reason to talk again in the future about new music from Sky and whatever awesome things you guys are cooking up over there. So uh, thank you. Thank you so much for your time today, Vince. It was great to talk with you again. Yeah, this was really great. It was, I mean, it's been way too long. It's been years. So this was really a pleasure. for listening to Level with Emily. You can learn more about Vince Diamante, see a playlist, and support Level with Emily at patreon.com slash level. Check out the video of our chat with Vince on the Level with Emily YouTube channel. Please do subscribe to that YouTube channel so you get all of our new videos of interviews. Visit us on Discord as well. You'll find that link in the show notes. And again, we're at patreon.com slash level. I'm Emily Reese. Sam Keenan is our producer. Say hi, Sam. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Level with Emily and learn more about us at levelwithemily.com made possible by Adam Selvage at Tiki Web Services he has saved our life so many times and composer Brad Gentle manages our YouTube channel Level with Emily is a production of June Media Inc. Here at Level with Emily, we're part of the Audio Podcast Alliance. It features a hand-picked selection of the very best podcasts about sound. You can hear the latest episodes from our friends in the community at audiopodcast.org.